From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com, and I am here with my colleague, Marcus Green. Marcus, thanks as always for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. Today, we're going to discuss a story you've followed since 2019. So LG&E, Louisville Gas and Electric, wants to build a 12-mile natural gas pipeline across a rural area of Bullock County. Uh, It has Bernheim Forest upset. It has some landowners upset. The proposed $39 million LG&E pipeline in Bullock County is getting more opposition. WDRB's Valerie Chen explains what Bernheim Forest and its neighbors are now demanding. LG&E says the line would help provide backup gas service for 9,500 customers in Mount Washington, Claremont, and Lebanon Junction areas and prepare the area for future growth. None of us have. So you're right, this has uh, been in the works for some time now, going back to the middle part of the last decade, really. And in 2016, LG&E went to the Public Service Commission to try to get approval for this uh, 12-mile pipeline, which would essentially run east-west across Bullock County. It would be uh, south of Shepherdsville and south of Mount Washington, with the goal in LG&E's eyes of providing additional capacity so that when customers need to hook up and get gas service, they can do it. Right now, lg has some aging infrastructure, uh, aging distribution system that dates back to the 60s. The reason this story has become so interesting and compelling is because on the one hand, you have the rationale given by lg and by economic development officials in Bullitt County, that the pipeline is needed for for growth, to have sustainable growth into the future. Need look no further in Bullitt County than the explosion of logistics and warehouse businesses and very prominently the new McKesson warehouse that is handling COVID-19 vaccines. You have, of course, growing areas like Mount Washington uh, and other communities. And so, Yes, on the one hand, it's a growth story. It's a story about can communities have the do, the do communities have the infrastructure that they need to grow sustainably into the future. But at the same time, you have questions about the pipeline, its impact on natural areas, the impact to land owned by Bernheim Forest, arguably one of the region's most prominent uh, organizations. So it really has a compelling set of circumstances that has made this a very unique project. Well, let's touch on what would be built here and who is upset about it. So, you know, if you're driving around the Highlands, you might see these yard signs that talk about saving Bernheim Forest. And I believe that stems from this particular proposal down there in in Bullitt County. Can you explain? It does. And it stems from this proposal. It also stems from a proposal that was introduced and has been shelved for the time being to build a bypass around the Louisville area. So around the time that both of these projects were in the works, Bernheim 
mobilized its very sizable public uh, relations uh, muscles and began to uh, fight in particular the pipeline because that was the one project that had had received approval and its board of trustees voted to not sell land that was eyed for the pipeline and Bernheim took the position that while the pipeline wouldn't cross the publicly available forest where people go and hike and picnic and do nature walks, it would, it would affect a part of land that they own a little bit farther north of that, that they want to have a conservation corridor, a bat habitat, other wildlife habitat in an area that's facing development pressure. So Bernheim views the pipeline as a threat to that area, but it also viewed it more philosophically as a threat to the greater region and a region that is experiencing uh, a lot of impact from development pressures. And what about landowners, homeowners, people who live in the area where this pipeline would go? What do they think about it? Well, many of them don't have a problem with it. And that's evidenced by the fact that they've sold their land and they've agreed to sell easements for the pipeline to, to pass through their properties. But there have been some who have objected and their main concerns are that this gas transmission line does pose a potential public safety threat. Off Deesville Road in Bullock County, sheep roam on the Hurt family farm. I live on the skinniest part of the entire, apparently, pipeline. Sherry Hurt has lived here for 30 years. But what is hurting her now is LG&E's plan to build an underground natural gas pipeline. The pipeline is expected to run through Hurt's farm. They'll tear down this barn, and they're building a new one about 50 feet away. It's just the cost of moving the barn over, and, and, and they'll they'll pay me for that. I know they will. It's not that, that, uh, that they wouldn't give me the money for it, because they will. That's not a problem. It, it's the ideal that you can't reimburse the fact that I'm really scared to live next to this gas line that I know is going to run through a sinkhole. Possibility of some kind of gas leak, uh, contamination of, of ground, water, um, and just the overall potential that it could lead to some kind of catastrophic explosion. Not to mention uh, that in some cases, uh, this pipeline would pass very close by to, to certain residences. So that's the concern from those people who have been opposed to the pipeline, either opposed to it vocally or those who have actually been sued because they didn't sell their land to, to LG&E. I'm imagining like the Keystone XL pipeline, like a, like a, you know, two foot diameter, big hulking thing that's sitting about four feet on top of the ground that you can see running for miles and miles is that the kind of pipeline that we're talking about here, or would it be less obtrusive than that? No, it would be less obtrusive. It would be, it wouldn't be noticeable. This is an underground pipeline, and don't hold me to it. In some of these cases, there are portions that connect above ground in certain areas, but for the most part, if not all of it, would be completely underground and marked with certain markers that say that there's a natural gas pipeline underneath. This would not be a keystone pipeline above ground, uh, hulking piece of infrastructure that would be easy to spot. This would be an underground pipeline. And there are many transmission lines throughout the state of Kentucky. There's one existing transmission line in eastern Boyd County right now. Again, these transmission lines, think of it in terms of an interstate highway versus a local road network. The transmission lines carry the gas uh, at a higher speed 
And when they get to the distribution line, that's when it begins to slow down and make their way, make its way to individual customers and the places that, that use natural gas. So Marcus, this has been a multi-year effort by LG&E to build this pipeline. Uh, and there was some news last week uh, regarding their ability to actually do that. It is a win for LG&E and the company's plan for a new Bullock County pipeline. The electric company was just granted a right to condemn land for the project. Bullock County Economic Development says this ruling will mean a huge boost to the local economy. But there are still several... Where we are is that LG&E uh, had to file lawsuits in Bullock County to receive the ability to condemn or use eminent domain to take this land for the prescribed purpose of constructing the pipeline. And just last week, uh, Circuit Court Judge Rodney Burris ruled in favor of LG&E, uh, saying that they followed the law, that they did everything they're supposed to do to receive the authority to condemn the land. And that involves seven of the eight uh, landowners who have not um, who have resisted. The other is Bernheim, and that's in a separate legal proceeding because of some different circumstances. But in the other case, the case that was uh, that had the order last week, the judges ruled that Bernheim can, uh, excuse me, that LG&E can condemn. And so now the question is, will those landowners uh, file an appeal, and will it continue to work its way through the legal system, which is not uncommon in in these types of cases. There are some remedies that the landowners can pursue if they feel that they've been, you know, handled improperly at court. I, I just want to be clear what that means is these landowners, whether they want to or not, have to allow uh, the company to build this pipeline through their property and have to give them perpetual access to the property to be able to maintain it. Is that right? Yeah, that's basically what has happened here. And LG&E would have to provide compensation. So just because the court has ruled that LG&E can take the land through eminent domain, it doesn't mean that they don't have to pay. They do have to pay, and they have to pay uh, what is considered a just amount. Eminent domain normally is used for things like highways, uh, things that have a broad public purpose. But some questions have been raised lately about the extent to which this pipeline is for uh, Bullock County customers writ large or for one particular uh, gas customer. Can you explain? This is really the crux of this current fight is how much of the benefit from the pipeline would be to the larger community and how much of it could potentially be for one customer. In the court case that recently got the order. Uh, there were some documents that were produced by LG&E that suggest that Jim Beam, the bourbon giant that has a distillery in Claremont, could receive up to 100% of the gas from this new pipeline for the first two years of its operation. And then for the following three, it would receive more than 95% of it. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Van Velzer of WFPL, who was the first to report on these court documents. And that was an argument that one of the attorneys for a landowner made to the court. The argument was essentially, this isn't a public use. This is going inordinately to one customer, to, to Jim Beam. And so LG&E at the same time has been saying that because this pipeline project has been delayed, there have been hundreds of requested hookups from businesses and developments and even a school in Boyd County 
to get new or expanded gas service and that those requests have been denied. So the question now is if, as the court documents show, Jim Beam is getting the bulk of the benefits for the first couple, if not at least the first five years from this potential pipeline, how long would it take to get those customers who have already sought gas service to, to get it? So is this pipeline really for Bullitt County as a whole, or is it just to serve Jim Beam? I mean, what does LG&E say about that? Well, as of the time that you and I are talking today, Chris, they've not responded to that. So uh, wait and see. When we know something, we'll definitely have uh, a story about that and and try to explain their their side of this. But the court documents are pretty clear that Jim Beam would get a huge benefit from this pipeline. And that's also something that's not shocking. I mean, this we've known for a long time that Jim Beam uh, had had discussions with lg e in the early stages of developing this. And in fact, in some of the internal documents, the pipeline is referred to as the Jim Beam pipeline. The question, though, is how much broader would the benefits be? And that's what we're waiting to find out. Yeah, interesting. And I should note that you know, Jim Beam is the largest, single largest producer of bourbon in the world. Uh, so it's not a small operation uh, by by any stretch. Um, so, um, and, and, and by the way, Marcus, what, you know, Jim Beam's part of Beam Suntory up in Chicago. What are they saying about their role in all this? Well, they have consistently defended their position, saying that they're a customer of, of LG&E, that they didn't recommend this pipeline, and they have they have gas needs, they have natural gas needs, but that they're not the one driving uh, this process. And so that's really been their position all along. Uh, they've essentially let LG&E handle the public relations side of this. So... LGE started the process to get this approved back in 2016. We're sitting here five years later. Uh, there's legal challenges uh, as we've talked about. So what's the next step here and uh, w- when will this pipeline actually be built? Well, I don't think anybody knows. And that's because not only do we have the potential for an appeal in this most recent ruling, we have the Bernheim condemnation case, which is on its own and still has probably a lot of uh, legal fighting left on that. Uh, lg e still needs to get some of the permits that it has to have to begin work. And there are other administrative hurdles that exist too. So I wouldn't want to wager. Uh, they had already hoped to have had this project done uh, even before the pandemic. And here we are coming out of the pandemic and they're still in in some regard, really where they were before the pandemic. They're still mired in some legal challenges and they're uh, yet to get certain approvals that they need to, to start work. Well, I know you'll be following it, Marcus, and I want to give a shout out to Valerie Chin, who did our most recent story about the, uh, about the order uh, in uh, one of those cases. Um, so thanks for being on top of this story and we'll probably have another update at some point, uh, when there's more news to talk about on the case. So I appreciate you coming on the show. As always, Chris. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.